Good morning and welcome to another edition of Today's Nutrition, where we look at what is new in research, what's hot in the news, or any topic that can affect our health, vitality, and longevity. Today, I'm going to give you all the info on vitamin D. I went back over my old shows. I was amazed to see that I hadn't talked about vitamin D for about five years. In today's world of viruses and disease, we need to know about the wonders of vitamin D now more than ever, since there isn't much we can do to reliably prevent exposure to the COVID virus Doctors are recommending optimal nutrition, and that includes D, zinc, and vitamin C. Basically, we want to make our immune system super strong so you are not a good host to the virus. And the research is crazy good and getting better. I started out with about 30 pages of notes for this week. There is just so much research on the benefits of vitamin D and more to come. So we call it the sunshine vitamin or calciferol because the sun hits your skin, then combines with cholesterol and travels to and is transformed first in the liver and then in the kidney. So you got to have a healthy liver and you got to have healthy kidneys. But voila, you make usable vitamin D. Vitamin D researchers suggest that from the sun, if you get about 5 to 30 minutes of UV sun exposure, particularly from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. when your shadow is shorter than your height, and get that exposure all over, not just your face, but your arms, your hands, your legs, without sunscreen. This is usually enough for vitamin D synthesis, they say, but they don't live in the northern latitudes in the winter. Others say 10 to 20 minutes midday sun basically is what you need. I don't recommend getting it on your face because that UV radiation, if you do that every day, that is going to age your skin, causing damage, causing wrinkle, and maybe increasing your your risk of skin cancer. We don't want that. So you want to get a little bit all over, kind of like sunbathing. But many don't want to or aren't able to get sun exposure. So next, we go to food. Not a terrific source, but you're going to get some from certain foods like fatty fish, fish oils like cod liver oil. You remember how they used to give a teaspoon of cod liver oil? Yeah, that's a good one. And now they've got great tasting cod liver oil like orange sherbet and stuff like that. But you can also get some from beef liver. And I don't hear too many people saying yum yum. Cheese and a little bit from egg yolks and some from mushrooms because they're grown in a way where they become a source of vitamin D. So have you heard about D2? Well, that's the plant source that they fortify milk and some other foods from. And plant source, you know, it isn't as active in the body, but you're going to get a smidge. So how much do we need? I wish I could give you a definitive answer, but honestly, You don't know without doing lab work. Somewhere between 2,000 and 5,000, but to be sure, you should get lab work. Well, enough to get your blood levels up to the proper lab value. Too much isn't good, but too little is really bad, and I'm going to tell you about that. But first of all, we're all different. Some people are easy converters. Some people aren't. So here is a list of people who are at risk 
for deficiency or have increased need. First of all, pregnant women need to supplement. Breastfed infants really need to be watched carefully because breastfed, prolonged breastfeeding without desupplementation can cause rickets. And that is a condition that prevents proper calcification of the bones. And, you know, you see that more commonly in dark skin infant and children. So pediatricians are screening for this. Pretty common in the northern latitudes of Europe. So now I'm going to give you a little history on vitamin D. goes back some really old, old texts, about 1,400. I mean, that's like the year, not the amount. Um, it referred to a condition that perfectly describes rickets and vitamin D deficient. Then around the 17th to the 19th century, when the Industrial Revolution really had an increase in factory work, uh, smog, a lot of unregulated factories spewing out coal fumes into the air, blocking any light. That London fog was really smog. Then those were the most and the worst problem. The rich nobles and the very poor were commonly affected with rickets. History is pretty cool. Vitamin history. Clear back in 1728 England, Writing appears to recommend shark liver ointment for the treatment of rickets. Who would ever think of that first? Then, in about 1824, clear through 1926, cod liver oil by mouth for five weeks was the cure for rickets. In 1822, a researcher from Poland wrote, and I quote, the sun on our bodies must be regarded as the most efficient method for prevention and cure of this disease. Science takes a long time to uncover what we kind of take for granted these days. But moving on, it isn't just for kids and rickets, of course. An awful lot of us are at risk for deficiency. The elderly, for three reasons. As you age, you lose the ability to convert it efficiently. Then you spend more time inside, and your diet may not be giving you enough. Then we have to think darker-skinned people. People with darker skin tones have higher melanin. That's the dark pigment. Melanin blocks and protects against UV radiation, so that is limiting the body's ability to convert vitamin D. Darker Americans typically have much lower vitamin D levels than lighter Americans. Then, the one that affects us more um population wise overweight people or anyone undergoing gastric bypass surgery individuals have an over that are overweight like you a BMI of over 30 which is about 75% of our population often have higher needs for vitamin D because vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin vitamin so that means it is hidden in the fat cells they so store it it doesn't get in the bloodstream so Higher intakes of vitamin D to reach optimal are essential. Also, gastric bypass, they're bypassing the part of the upper intestine where vitamin D is absorbed. So uh, weight loss surgery puts you at risk. And then anybody who has limited sun exposure, people that stay inside, people who work inside, people whose culture and religion requires them to wear long robes, long dresses, head coverings, or, you know, people that work, you know, hello working world, 
You work inside all day. Plus, you use sunscreen that blocks the sunlight. And then how about the northern latitudes? In Ohio, we not only have the winter gloom that goes on for days and weeks on end, but just living in the northern latitude, that angle of sun filters out almost all the UV rays. I love this study. I've told about it for years and years. 25 to 30 years ago, this one took place, Boston College, over the winter months. They took grad students, okay? Grad students were getting a grade. (laughs) They probably got an A for doing this. But the whole winter quarter, in bathing suits, on a flat rooftop, they measured their vitamin D levels before and the vitamin D levels after. And in the whole winter quarter, after sun exposure all day long in bathing suits, their levels didn't change one iota. Burr. Boston in the winter or in the Midwest. So no wonder most of us are deficient. About 10 years ago, one of the local physicians added a vitamin D test to the routine lab work. Not a single person was even halfway normal unless they were supplementing. Research suggests that 80 to 85% of us are deficient if we don't supplement. Similar to the London fog, those clouds block it and the sun is just too low for us around here. And UV radiation doesn't penetrate glass. So if you're sitting inside in the sun, you still are not being able to produce vitamin D. Other people at risk, and this is a lot more people than you would think too, if the gut isn't working right, if it's inflamed, if it's permeable, you can't absorb the dietary fats properly because vitamin D is fat-soluble, so you easily become deficient. Plus, if you have liver problems, gallbladder problems, cystic fibrosis, celiac, Crohn's disease, ulcerated colitis, some people are more likely to have trouble getting enough D. Genetically, there's some of us that just don't convert well. Our cells are a little lazy. So another thing, if there's a lot of cellular inflammation, I see this a lot for people that have a really bad diet and they've just got a lot of inflammation in their cells, a lot of processed food, a lot of sugar, supplementing vitamin D doesn't seem to respond in the lab work. So instead of who needs to supplement, I'd have to say who doesn't need to supplement. That would be the rare one. Ah, you'd just have to say everybody needs this amount or that amount. That would be great. But there are so many variables that play into your optimal range. So there are also medications that interfere. Yeah, you knew I'd had to get on this. So you'd have to talk to your doctor or pharmacist if you're on Orlistat, which is a weight loss drug. If you're on statins, cholesterol lowering meds. If you're on steroids. If you're on thiazide diuretics. You know, all of these are going to interfere with your vitamin D absorption. So like I say, we all pretty much need to supplement to be in the optimal range. We're still trying to get a solid answer, but that number is over 50 for sure. Check in your lab. So around here, it isn't uncommon to be in the teens or even single digits. So provide, providing, preventing rickets, yeah, but what else does vitamin D do for you? Some amazing things in the body. Bone health and osteoporosis, that's kind of a given. But cancer, cardiovascular disease, depression, multiple sclerosis, MS. So, you know, bone is constantly being remodeled. But as we age, the breakdown overtakes the bone building. So vitamin D is needed to enhance that. Also good for muscles. Cancer, lab 
animal studies suggest that vitamin D inhibits cancer formation and slows progression by encouraging so many healthy pathways. So the total cancer incidence and mortality is there's a strong correlation to be in that healthy level is really important. And normal weight participants in all the studies have a greater reduction in cancer incidence than those that are overweight or obese. So another reason to take the weight off. Lowers the risk of breast cancer, colorectal cancer by maybe up to 30, 27%. Prostate cancer, there was about 8,000 men with prostate cancer that found that higher vitamin D levels were associated with lower mortality rates. Cardiovascular disease, like I said, MS. But high levels are also not desirable. You, There's a sweet spot with everything. Excess can be toxic. Signs and symptoms are unlikely by taking under 10,000 IUs a day. But I'd never recommend that. Anything over 125 micrograms, which is 5,000, anything over that should have your doctors okay and lab tests to monitor. So vitamin D and what it does, one of the lab flyers says, so you know it's well-researched, patients with low vitamin D levels are at risk for osteoporosis and cardiovascular disease, as well as cancer and respiratory disease. Patients who are pregnant and lactating should be tested too. They represent a high-risk group. Deficiency in pregnancy can lead to preeclampsia and rickets in the infant. So now you're all waiting for the research on COVID. A lot of this is new, of course. This is a new virus, and the recommendations are just starting to be confirmed. One study came out showing that people with severe complications from COVID had low vitamin D levels, below 20. Cardiologist from Florida, Dr. Leonard Pianco, really some good research. And then this one, I love it, from the Royal College of Physicians regarding vitamin D and COVID pandemic. First of all, Vitamin D is a principal, and I'm going to bold that one, a principal defense against uncontrolled inflammation and against viral infection. Next, low vitamin D levels have been seen in pneumonia and severe upper respiratory infections and increase in thrombotic episodes frequently observed in COVID-19. Then finally, vitamin D deficiencies occur frequently in patients with obesity and diabetes. So all of these things have a higher mortality with COVID-19. So the Royal College of Physicians summarizes, if vitamin D does in fact reduce the severity of COVID-19, it is our opinion that supplements could offer a relatively easy option to decrease the impact of the pandemic. Man, you can get a several months supply of vitamin D for under $10. Vitamin D reduces the risk of microbial infection and death and viral infections, including influenza and HIV. Then you've got its role in calcium and in your skeletal system and the immune system and the cardiovascular, even the reproductive system, diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, osteopalatia, osteoporosis and cancers. So there's just a lot of different things. 20 different cancers have an inverse relationship with vitamin D. 
So, as the Son has given us life in so many ways, now we maybe realize that we benefit in other ways, like using vitamin D to help us fight this COVID pandemic. So, check your vitamin bottles. Add up all the D3 and see if you are getting at least 4,000 IU, which would be 100 micrograms, all together. Get a lab test done and supplement accordingly if you need to. It may be having the greatest effect on your health, vitality, and longevity. So thanks again for listening to another edition of today's nutrition. I hope you learned something that will help you or someone you love. Your diet and lifestyle is the most important thing you can do to protect your health. And we talk about actionable things every week on this show. If you'd like to listen to other shows, you can go to my website, Deb Ford, or any place you'd like to listen to podcasts. So have a great day and get some healthy sunshine.